Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right. Let's roll. I'm Andy. The guy I was just berating is Dennis. As usual. Who is the tech guy actually out of the two of us. So if anybody has a tech problem, I'm not quite sure why it was uh, why it was him. But anyhow... We are here today to interview uh, Mark Primetime Poulton and Clint Halitsky about their new project. Hey, guys. Hey, Hey thanks for having us. Hey, you got it. Uh, Actually, thank you guys for being here. You're our first interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So hopefully video interviews. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we actually did do a phone interview before we started doing video. But uh, first video interviews. So how's how's uh, how you guys doing? Hanging Pretty good. In there? Yeah. Very cool. So obviously, no no need to beat around the bush. We're here to talk about your guys's campaign. Let me get that up. Oh, there it is. B dog in the house, yo. Yeah, and it's volume two. I did get volume one, and uh, I let Dennis read it over the weekend. So, the, oh, there it is. Right. There it is. I watched and read it right after the Super Bowl last night. And which was more exciting, Dennis? Hands down, Sea Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah, why don't you, uh, uh, Mark, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, so, Sea uh, Dog is my character that I created with my son, Chase. Uh, Chase is 10 years old. Uh, oh, Codenamed. Yeah, codename Killswitch is Clint's uh, characters, and uh, I guess it was around the time I was uh, we were doing the campaign for Graveyard Shift Two, uh, yeah. which is another one of my books. Uh, Clint reached out to me, and I've known Clint for maybe I don't know close to fifteen years. Yeah. Uh, uh, I used to work for Arcana Studio, a publisher uh, based out of Canada, and Clint uh, drew some of the books there: Greatest American Hero and Cade. And uh, he oh, hit me cool. up. He had, he had seen the Graveyard Shift campaign and was like, hey, would you be interested in, in working on something uh, together? And at the time, my son and I, because my son got uh, so invested in the Graveyard Shift campaign because it, uh, the second book just, well, the first book did great. It did over $100,000. The second book did even better than than that. I think it, we did like one seventy-five, And my son... Right. My son got all wrapped up in it every day asking me, like, how's it doing? And he had worked he had worked on projects with me in the past, but more like kid kid stuff. We did a a kids graphic novel, Pizza Tree, which we got nominated for a Ringo Award for. And Mm -hmm. uh, he he was he was like, Dad, I'm I'm, I'm, I don't want to do kiddie books. I want to do cool stuff like (laughs) like you. (laughs) So uh, so we we came up with this crazy idea of a of Sea Dog who is a puppy whose owner finds a medallion while he's fishing. He puts it around his puppy's neck because he thinks it would make a cool collar. And he instantly transforms into sea dog. Uh, he can fly. He has super strength and he can turn into a fish uh, <laughs> or any, any sea creature he wants. And he loves being a, uh, this super powered dog so much that he never wants to transform back into a puppy. So he adopts a, an alter ego as uh, canine rapper C Dog C D A W G. So I had this crazy idea, and I was like, "Well, Clint, I have this idea. I don't know how you're going to feel about it." <laughs> and, and Clint, you you can take it away from uh, from there. Yeah, the, my initial read of the C Dog pitch uh, left me scratching my head a little bit. I wanted yeah. to team up. I wanted to team up with Mark, especially seeing the success of Graveyard Shift, but. Sea Dog was not not uh, what I was <laughs> expecting when I asked if you wanted to team up on a pitch for something, but uh, it actually it was it actually worked out for the best because um, like Sea Dog kind of puts an interesting spin on on what we're doing. I think it gives it more of a fun, lighter tone. Where like Codename Kill Switch is like my version of the '90s image, you know, yeah. hit, 
games like Wildcats and Cyber Force. This is kind of my homage to all that stuff that I love from the 90s. Sure. And then uh, Mark with Sea uh, Dog teaming up with them, the two kind of play off of each other in a weird way. So it kind of makes for some uh, fun, fun writing, some interesting spins we can do on um, like those old kind of uh, storylines from the 90s with having a little bit more of a goofier character like Sea Dog, but still playing it sort of straight. So it's made for some fun sequences in the stories that we've done. Well, that's cool. I mean, I thought it, I thought the first one was fun. I, you know, I, I make no bones about stuff. I, when I look at campaigns, uh, the first thing I do is look at the visuals before I read anything. Cause I'm an artist and that's generally why I buy stuff and what attracts me to projects. And, you know, I, I've known of your work before the first one, Clint, and I like the, you know, I like the throwback style that you're doing, you know, I think it's I think it's really cool because it's, you know, I like that Jim Lee look, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just not in my wheelhouse, I guess. Right. And uh, and, you know, I looked at the first one. I was like, that looks really cool. So then after I look at it uh, and I like the visuals, then I'll go back to the top and actually read what it's about. And it sold me on it. So, you know, I got it. I did. I thought it was a really fun book. So I was glad to see you guys doing a second one. Um, and, you know, your years, is this your first 30 or no? 30 yeah. days? So yeah, are you guys going to extend, you guys are going to extend it then or? Yeah. Yeah. We'll do the second 30 for sure. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it gives me time to, I'm about uh, more than, well, not more than half, getting close to halfway done with the book. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, we fully expect to have the book close to finished when we close down our 60 days. And it's kind of the same plan we did with book one, almost, you know, except we, you know, here we started in January. Last year we started in November. Yeah. But um, we're kind of on the same sequence. And we ended up actually getting our book out a couple months before our actual deadline was out shipped to people. And I know that's important with Mark. Um, a lot of these pains. Uh, with the crowdfunding kind of get bad reputations for everybody's waiting around for the book and it's six months. Where's my book? It's a year past it's due. Right. Where's my book? So uh, both to me and the markets really important to, to be timely with um, getting the fans, the product, the book um, once we close up the campaign. So we're, we're right on course for doing that again this year. So pretty stoked about that. Oh, that's cool. Who's doing the coloring on it? Are you doing that too? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that's my buddy, Andrew Dollhouse. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. He colors, a, he colors a ton of stuff for Brett Booth. And oh, I've worked another, with him. Yeah, you, oh, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you have. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he's actually mentioned that to me before too. But you know mm-hmm. how it is. You go through and you make friends in comics. And you yeah. always talk about working on projects together. So it just kind of worked out that we could get Andrew uh, coloring uh, these books for us. And he did an awesome job with the first one. So we were pretty stoked to have him on the second one too. So that's cool. I realized after I put my headphones in, if I play the video, I'm the only one that's going to be able to hear it. (laughs) I'm going to unplug my headphones. Hopefully there won't be, let's see, hold on. Let's roll this way and see what happens. All right. Let's see. I'll turn the volume up too if I have See all the codeine kill switch returned an all new 48 page graph. Oops. Graphic novel by Mark Holtman Clint Walensky featuring Seed All Soldier Seven Rebel Tundra Neon. Stormborn and Crush Rocket. <laughs> Only on Indigo. Guess who's my favorite? Crush Rocket? Yeah. Is it really? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I, I thought I was a genius when I came up with that name. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Um, so cool. We'll go through the reward tiers. I love the featured because it's kind of like my featured is 75 and it's, I didn't think a triple threat though. I like that. <laughs> um, so triple threat gets you what Mark? Uh, 
So you get a uh, Clint's cover to book two. Uh, we have a Dan Fraga variant cover, uh, which we, we have a layout right below Clint's cover. Um, yeah, there it is right there. And then uh, there's a book one reprint and it features John Malin's cover right there. Just the, the line art uh, version. Uh, we used the, that cover uh, for book one and had a colored version and his artwork's so detailed and great. We, we thought, you know, as a fan, I know I would like an opportunity to have just the line art. So uh, I think other people would too. Yeah, I agree. I saw it in the back of, I'm glad you guys printed it in the back of the first one. Um, so I could base, so I could have it. Cause I like John's stuff a lot, yeah. but I agree with you. I love black and white stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Cool. And then the regular book 25. Nice. And that's just the regular cover. Frag a boom. Yep. We got for 25. That's cool. You got to get on Dan, get that thing up there finished I, before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he is so busy right now, not only with black flag, but his day job. Uh, oh, he yeah. asked us when we were launching and I, I was like, is it possible to get a layout before we launch? Uh, no lie. Maybe 45 minutes before our campaign went live, he emailed me and said, here's the layout. So I quick updated our, our page. <laughs> so uh, I was very thankful to, to at least have the layout uh, for the for the kickoff. Well, no, and we, cool. we know if we get the Dan Frege, you know, his pencil version, that'll be like a big seller for us, too. So fingers sure. crossed he can squeeze us in there. But we were just we were just stoked to have a variant cover by him. And I mean, with, with comics get following, um, you know, having Dan's cover and then having Malin's variant, I mean, they're two of the most popular artists on there when you look at their campaign. So it's, it's a nice feather in our cap to have variant covers by those guys. So we're very appreciative of it. No, I agree. Those are two guys that uh, I would, when I do my next one for First Man, I got to, you know, because Bart did a variant cover for me for the first one. And I want somebody different for the second one, so I have to. I have saw to... all your your sketch, and I I I glanced through them, but it's like sketch variants. But all the different artists you got of like just drawing your first man character. Oh yeah, yeah. Those those were awesome. You got like a who's who of like the top twenty artists in the last decade. Well, the funny thing is, you know, I I. I explained it before that, you know, I wrote a book called Drawing Dynamic Comics that came out in the year 2000. I wrote the book uh, over the year for, of 97 to 98. I had a year to write it. And a lot of those are from that book, a chapter oh, okay. in the book, because I wanted to show people that I wasn't trying to teach anybody how to draw like me. I was just trying to teach the foundation of drawing and when sure. you learn the foundation, eventually you'll form your own style. And here are examples of that by showing different artists take on First Man. So yeah. I basically contacted all the guys and said, hey, can I reuse these? And they were all like, yeah, go ahead. So, nice. yeah. So it just worked out, you know. Uh, that's the tough part. Like for the second campaign, that's another thing I think is something really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was drool. I was drooling over some of the artists you got there. I mean, it well, was I pretty cool. Uh, both covers for fifty. Nice. What's the fan pack? Give an explanation of that one. Sure. So you get uh, Clinton Dan's book two cover. You get the mail-in line art variant for book one, and then you get a sketch from Clint. If you had signed up for our mailing list, you would have got the fan pack for one hundred dollars because that's uh, a secret. Uh, a secret perk that we sent a link out to to all the mailing list members. Oh, that's cool. It's a little incentive to sign up early and get on board. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I learned the hard way. Uh, doing like a, a trading card as a, a mailing list incentive very yeah. hard because you have to go through the whole mailing list and match it up to <laughs> to who oh. uh, backed. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. Right. No, this this was much simpler. Just sending a link out to the mailing list. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I've, I'm definitely learning things along the way as well. And that's the thing is you only learn them by kind of going through them and you yeah. kind of maybe make a mistake here and you realize next time it's like, oh, there's a better way to do that. By the way, I love this page. Yeah, yeah I, I love the way that turned out. <laughs> Not to bring it on myself, but I'm like, ah, that I'm really happy with that page. <laughs> are, you, uh, are you traditional or are you digital? Are I, I've been traditional 
most of my career, but I switched to digital about a little over two years ago. And the thing is, it's just sped me up so much. Like I can get so much done so much faster that um, I I don't even think I could go back. I could still, you know, you know, ink on uh, paper, but the ability to just not worry about mistakes or anything and just slap stuff down really, it's not, it frees me up and it kind of loosens my artwork up too. Cause I, I tend, I, I ink myself. So I tend to get stiff cause I'll draw and then I'll stiffen it up in the ink. So with mm-hmm. uh, digital, it's really loosened me up a lot. Yeah, that's cool. What's the babe box? <laughs> oh, well, I have an example right here. Uh, so <laughs> it is a collector's case that has Clint's artwork on it. Features uh, Neon and Rebel, probably the, the two most popular characters from the uh, the series, and uh, you know it has the the title on the spine. It has a um, magnetic uh, closing, and when you open it up, uh, it will have all five books: uh, the two books from our first campaign, and then all three books from the uh, second campaign, plus sketches from Clint, a sketch uh, from Clint and, and myself, uh, trading cards, a print. And we just added a, a sea dog pop socket to it. So you're going to get a ton of stuff in this box. Um, I, I did a collector's box for the my last U.S. Assassin campaign. And it was really popular. So I was like, yeah, we should do this again. So, yeah, people seem to like it. That's Definitely. cool. Man. You got, you know, it's there's so many different cool things that people do with their campaigns. Um, Graham Nolan just showed today that he's doing for Alien Alamo uh, a 30 caliber bullet that says <laughs> Alien Alamo engraved on it. Oh, cool. And it comes in a box, and the logo's on the top of the box, and he's going to sign the bottom of the box. So that it's is just, uh, It's just fun cool. stuff collectors would be interested in, you know. It's kind of just neat stuff that you can add to your campaign. Yeah. What are you thinking, Dennis? You liking it? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, did I see one because I just read Andy's copy. I don't even have one. Did I see any of them in there that you can get the new Sea Dog 2 and I can pick up Sea Dog 1 together? Yeah. Um, so uh, we also have add-ons. So if there's like one cover, if you just want uh, like Clint's cover or you want Dan's Fraga, uh, Dan, the Dan Fraga cover, when you go to checkout, there's a option for an add-on and you can add you can either add like the john malin line art variant or you can add the original uh books clint's uh copy a a cover for book one or the colored version of john's uh cover to book one okay cool yeah Yeah, so you can definitely get whichever variants you want of book one and two combined and if you just want a specific cover of one and a specific cover of two you can pretty much pick and choose with the add-on option but then also in some of the tiers here, you can get like both variants and the line art of book one. So want to make sure people are able to get, you know, pick and choose uh, which ones they want of both one and two. Yeah. Well, I, I said I read it for the first time, so I'm kind of new. I had never heard of the title before. So I can kind of give my opinion to some of the people who also hadn't heard of it. So I've been reading comics since the 70s, you know, and then, you know, John Burns X-Men, um, you know, E-Man was kind of where I kind of started from. My heyday, I would say, was the 90s. That was where I had definitely the most fun. And once I cracked this open, not, not Andy, I didn't wreck your book, but I, <laughs> I, I cracked it open, was reading it, and it instantly took me back to, in my opinion, it was very 90s nostalgic. You know, the writing, the story was so fun. And I picked up on Sea Dog versus Sea Dog right away. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you've got an attitude and in, in both in both personas. And the artwork was great. The storytelling was great. It was so reminiscent of the 90s. It was just pure fun. And it's just something that in my mind is missing from a lot of the mainstream books today. I mean, everything's got to have an agenda. Everything's got to have stuff shoved down your throat. Man, sometimes I just want to sit down and read a fun, well-done comic. And I did not know about your son being involved with it, which is even cooler because, you know, like my kids both enjoy different types of comics as they grew up with me for 
all of these years and stuff like that. They would enjoy this. So all around, I thought everything, this was a complete package. I enjoyed the heck out of this uh, book. And anybody looking for that type of book absolutely should pick this up. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. That's what, I mean, me and Bart, Mark both kind of on the same page with that. That's what we were shooting for. Um, fun escapism, like the comics we grew up on. Yeah. Like you said, like, there's, there's a reason, there's a reason the comic industry is in the shape it's in is because somehow like they forgot about that. And I mean, that's what we definitely want to get back to and just uh, have fun escapism, uh, action superheroes that you get a good solid story and there's no, you know, no, nothing to it more than that. Like there's escape from the real world and, you know, all the stuff that like is bringing everybody down and just, have 48 pages full of fun, uh, good story, good art. That's definitely what we're shooting for. So we really appreciate it, you know, hearing that from you. Yeah, no, no I, I totally enjoyed it. So I, I appraise comics for like insurance companies and stuff like that. That's actually what I, my fun hobby job has been for oh, cool. since I lived up in Illinois. And, um, you know, the, the problem in the industry right now is we've got so many people and when they come up, I need you to value my collection. But it's always for the money aspect. And a lot of people today, they're not even reading comics. They're mm -hmm. literally picking them up like it's a piece of silver or gold. They're treating it as an investment. And I'm like, you know, that's great. But you know what? Comics are meant to be read. And I said, this is what, before you want to go get them slabbed, how about you crack them open and read them? I'll bet you will enjoy it more. So it's, it's kind of fun to, to see more and more people are starting to go that way. But, you know, we're kind of split in the industry right now. This is more of a, a, a throwback to people who enjoy comics for what they are. Definitely. Mark, yeah, I, your, uh, you said your son, you know, came up with the idea with you and stuff. Did he have any input in the design of what he looks like in costume? Um, so, uh, when I, I told, uh, Clint about Sea Dog, he came up with a few choices and, uh, like different headshots, like the, the first costume he sent, uh, I showed it to Chase and he was, he loved it. And then he gave us like five different head choices and, and we went over that and we both picked the one that we, that we liked the best. So he, he's been involved. He, he likes, uh, he, he loves that he's doing something that that looks like a, a mainstream comic or at least what yeah. mainstream comics used to, <laughs> to, to look like. Uh, so, cause uh, you know, we've been doing uh, like a cat named haiku or pizza tree, more kid oriented stuff. So yeah, he, he's loving it. That's cool. It's I, so I'm guessing a French poodle wasn't the look you wanted for sea dog. <laughs> it's not tough enough. Is that no, what I'm um, hearing? No, we were thinking more uh, well, his, <laughs> We don't have a German Shepherd. Uh, we have yeah. a we have a lab, and we have a a, a, a cattle. Sorry, a cattle dog. And uh, but he loves German Shepherds for some reason. And so that I think that's what I told Clint that I, I was kind of picturing Sea Dog as. Oh, and uh, cool. yeah, so he, yeah, uh, I think uh, Clint just like nailed the look. I think he looks awesome. Mark, what's your uh, like? What's the mark? Polton origin story of getting into comics and stuff. Ah, uh, so uh, I started. I, I, I discovered comics through GI Joe. I loved the cartoon. I loved the toys. Then I saw the commercial one day, and they did it so well. They, you know, it was a commercial for the toy line, but it had an animated uh, portion of the cartoon, and then it ended and said, "For more GI Joe adventures, adventures, check out Marvel Comics." And like my head exploded. I was like, "What?" There's G.I. Joe comics, too. So I, I had my mom take me to, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Walden Books, if oh, you remember yeah. them. <laughs> and, they, and they had a rack of comics, and they had that G.I. Joe issue. And I, I cut out the little, little square for a subscription, and my mom bought me a subscription. And then I discovered comics, other comics after that, like X-Men and Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, then, like, the, the 90s happened, and that was, like, the most exciting time to be a comic fan, as, as far as I, I was concerned. Uh, Rob Liefeld was my guy. He was, like, the first person, like, I took notice to. It was, like, this guy, I don't, I don't know what it is, but the way he draws, I'm just, like, captivated by it. Plus, he was doing commercials for, like, 501 uh, Jeans. He just seemed like the coolest guy. I was, like, oh, I, I want to work with him one day. <laughs> um, and uh, then when I... Uh, 
early 2000s, I was working on my own comic with uh, with my friends. It was uh, uh, a little book called Coney Waves, and I actually caught the attention of Rob Liefeld uh, through his message board. And uh, I took a chance. I sent him a DM one time and said, uh, hey, Rob, what, what would it take? Uh, one day I'd like to work with you. What do you, I need to do to, to get to that level? And he, te- uh, he messaged me back and was like, uh, I, I think we'll work together one day, Mark. And uh, I was like, well, that's nice of him to reply, but I don't think that'll ever <laughs> happen. I think he was just being, being nice. Uh, but sure enough, uh, one day, uh, it was uh, Thanksgiving 2006, I got a, a, a phone call. Uh, I didn't recognize the number, but I answered and I said, hello. And on the other end, I heard, Holton, it's Liefeld, what's up? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rob. Rob uh, asked someone, uh, he tracked someone on the message board down who uh, had my phone number. He gave me a call and he, we talked for like two hours. And when I say we talked, he talked for two hours. I just went, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. He just, (laughs) Rob has the gift of gab, man. Uh, I don't know if you've ever ever listened to his podcast, but he's a great, yeah, he's a great storyteller. And uh, he was just telling me, you know, that that he was like impressed with my, my work, my work ethic. And he had a plan to bring Evangeline back and he wanted me to be the writer to do it. So oh, this was nice. like, yeah, so this was 2006. Evangeline didn't happen until 2011. And I kept like reminding him of it uh, to the point where he nicknamed me the squeaky wheel. Because uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was like, this is my shot. I'm not going to, I'm not, it's not going to not happen because I didn't put the effort in. But he, along the way, he would give me like little projects to do. Um, I got to work on a short story for Image United, which was awesome because it was all the all the image. Uh, Dude, you know. I was so bummed that that's not concluded. Yeah, I love I, I love jam books like that. Yeah, I was just thankful that the issue my short story was in came out. It was issue two, so I got to uh, script a blood strike story for that. Then we uh, we brought back Brigade in two thousand ten. And uh, I got to script that. And then finally, we did Evangeline in 2011. And Rob was so happy with that. He brought me with him to uh, to D.C. And I scripted Hawkman over there for him. And uh, all, all the while, I was working on my own books. Um, actually, that's how I met John Malin through Rob's uh, message board, because John was a fan of Rob's, too, and had done some work for him early on. And uh, I think when Brigade came out, that was like my biggest work to date. So I was feeling pretty confident. I messaged John and was like, hey, I have this idea uh, about, about the Universal Monsters as uh, superheroes. Are you interested? It's called Graveyard Shift. And John was like, you're the first person to ever ask me to draw monsters. I'm in. So <laughs> that's how Graveyard <laughs> Shift came, came together. And it took us like eight years to, to bring that to uh, fruition because every time we would get started on it. John would get a job. I actually showed Rob the first, I think, 10 pages of Graveyard Shift, and he was blown away by it. He was going to help us set it up at Image. But then he uh, he decided he was going to bring back Youngblood, and he wanted John to be the artist of that. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> uh, he asked my permission if, uh, if, I, if, I, if I didn't mind. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to stand in the way of John getting a, a paying gig because, you know, he and I were, you know, we're doing this on our own dime graveyard shift. So yeah. uh, paying, paying work always came first. And then uh, John went on to do some work for Marvel. Yeah. And then finally the time was right, but it all worked out with graveyard shift because I don't think we would have had the success we're having now uh, if, if it was published through image or, or another publisher. Right. I, uh, I, that's where I discovered John's work actually was young blood. Yeah. And I just, I was like, this stuff's awesome. And I got his Thunderbolts. I got cable, you know, I got all that stuff. So um, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, Clint, what about you? It's the Clint origin story. Uh, it kind of uh, crisscrosses around, but uh, it was a little uh, Rob centric in the beginning too. Um, I was breaking in, in the late nineties, kind of like I, I always would hear from other creators. It's like, you broke in about two years too late to hit the boom, you know, and people would like tell me their, their page rate stories from like, you know, inking a backup story. And they were like making like $30,000 off of a 10 page story. And, but I broke in around about 97, 98 in like a couple multiple places. One of them was with Rob 
Um, I, I met Rob at uh, Wizard World Chicago and I got uh, showed him my portfolio and he was actually um, selling the Captain America ash cans at the table. When he oh, was, yeah. Uh, uh, Heroes Reborn. But uh, we got the handshake from Rob, got the welcome to Image Comics and uh, it was really cool. I was stoked. And then at that same convention, I ended up getting a Justice League backup story from DC editor at the same time. And then making a connection at Dark Horse. So like, like 98, 99, I think I worked for Dark Horse, DC, and then uh, did some, I actually drew a couple of pages on Youngblood, but I was working for Rob, like basically when he was, went through left, got left image, created extreme, created maximum press. And there was, it was all up in the air. So um, I did some work on Youngblood, but that was about all that I ended up doing for Rob. But yeah. uh, broke in and I, I did a Justice League story at DC. Um, I started drawing Xena Warrior Princess at Dark Horse. And uh, after that, um, I did a ton of work for Devil's Due when they were going after. Mm -hmm. I, I did a cover on G.I. Joe, but I mostly worked on Voltron. And then I did a bunch of work for Avatar Press on um, Belladonna that Brian Polito created over there. So. Um, through there, I kind of bebopped around from different small presses, and actually, then I worked for Arcana, like uh, Mark mentioned, and uh, worked on the Greatest American Hero, and that's where actually where me and Mark uh, met up, and we're both Rob fans, so we kind of had that in common too going on. And then when the whole uh, crowdfunding thing started, I was like, I had this thought in my head early on before I'd ever heard of Kickstarter, and I was like, if I could just like sell my original art before I created the book, I could raise enough money to make the book. Because I would sell, you know, you know how it is selling original art at conventions, but it costs money to, you know, publish and print your own book. Yeah. And I was like, I could just sell my original art for the book that I'm drawing before I do the book. I could use that money to make the book. Well, in a way that idea is kind of like Kickstarter and, and crowdfunding and Indiegogo. And I was like, ah, I wish I would have been a little smarter to put that idea together, but then I started hearing about, you know, some of these pro artists uh, crowdfunding um, and finding out about Kickstarter first and then Indiegogo and then, you know, seeing Mark's name attached with Graveyard Shift and seeing the kind of uh, interest the fans had to that. And I was like, well, here's a no brainer, like send Mark an email and like, Hey, you want to collaborate on something? And uh, that's, you know, how uh, C-Dog and Codename Kill Switch. And I mean, last year was like the, the first year we did that. And I mean, it was very successful. I was very happy with how it turned out. So doing a sequel is a no brainer. And that kind of got us to here now. I skipped through a few years there, but it kind of all blurs yeah. together after a while. But yeah, really happy with the way the first book turned out and the, the fan response and, um, I mean, we're outpacing the first book by significant amount, so very, yeah. uh, very excited with the way the sequel has been going. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So, guys, I'm going to have to uh, sign off. I have to take my oh. son to his orthodontist appointment now, but uh, okay. I really appreciate it. Uh, nice to meet you, Dennis, and uh, yeah, good nice luck to meet you, Mark. All right, see you guys. Take it easy, Mark. Later. See you, Mark. Now that he's out of here. <laughs> just kidding now this looks really good man I, I i think it looks cool um i'm gonna bounce this back to this no it's um, still a lot of fun to work on yeah and the the nice thing with the crowdfunding that i found is when you we can raise the money for the book ahead of time and you know you can do well and have that fan following it like frees you up to even have more time to spend on the book. Like a lot of times prior to crowdfunding and stuff, I was just trying to crank through stuff as fast as you can to hit a deadline. Right. The page rate was probably crummy. So it wasn't like you could like spend the, the amount of time you wanted to on the art, but with crowdfunding, it frees you up to like really kind of do your best work to, you know, not necessarily worry about that deadline. If you give yourself a, a good enough time frame. And, uh, like, I mean, I love to be able to just really go super detailed on the pages. So 
that's been the really great thing for me is to, you know, really set aside the time to make the book look as good as it can be. So do you miss not having original art then since you're doing digital? Because like I draw, I draw the stuff. I so what do you draw on? Do you have a Cintiq or are you using your, an iPad or? Cintiq. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a Cintiq and, and I know like when I was doing research, because I did a ton of research on digital before I switched over because sure. you know, I, I I wasn't even working for major publishers and I, you know, was still selling a lot of my original artwork at conventions. And that's always the downfall with digital is, I mean, if you're working at DC and Marvel, um, I sat next to, and I'm not going to remember the name of the artist now at Chicago con. And he was, he was um, one of Bendis's guys and he was working on X-Men and he was working all digital. And I'm like, well, how does it like, that's really got to hurt you selling the original art. And he said that he would do prints, numbered prints of those books, and then would sign them. And that's how and that's how he sold it. So he's, he's still making money that way. But for me, the trade-off for how much time I can spend on a page, but still not slow me down, is worth it for not having the original art to sell. Because, yeah. and, and that's the other part of the crowdfunding is we're doing well enough on the front end of the crowdfunding that there's enough interest in the books and excitement about that, that I'm not necessarily worried about the original art after the fact. Um, we can raise enough money to do the books the way I want to and make the book look as good as I wanted to. And so I'm not necessarily worried about not having that original art on the back end to sell. So for, right. for me, it's just like, do the project and then move on to the next project and crowdfund that. And yeah, yeah, there would be extra money, I guess, if I, you know, and then there's probably like, I could probably like do some of the covers as original art, but you, I get, you get spoiled with the digital. Like I do, I do not miss whiteout. I do not miss like laying over stuff where an ink, you know, inks got messed up. Like, like my life has become more relaxed with digital. The ability wow. to, the, the ability to erase inks and fix inks, like it's taken a stress level away from me that I didn't know it was there for years. Yeah, it's tough because like I, so I draw everything, I draw and do my pencils digitally, but then I print them out and, you know, light blue on Bristol, 11 by 17. You bet. You know, and ink everything traditional still. Yeah. And, you know, I do white out stuff, but then I, then, more often than not, I'll take them after I scan it. I'll still take it into like Clip Studio to do some special oh, effects stuff, sure, with hatching or whatever. So I do a mix, but I just love having originals. Oh yeah, so, and, yeah. and I get it. I mean, and I mean, like, I mean, you've done a ton of stuff, so your stuff is gonna sell. And I mean, I like I said, I'm not a big name guy, but I sell my stuff at conventions, and it does pretty well. But for me. And I mean, now with the way coronavirus has just killed the convention circuit, like for the last year, it's like obviously not missing anything. But uh, right. for me, like, I like the projects. I, I like focusing on the project enough to the point where I'm not worried about that sale of the artwork afterwards. And I guess if I ever get back to the point where some of that stuff is so in demand. Like I said, maybe I would do the covers traditionally just because obviously covers are going to be like a huge draw. Like if, if C-Dog and Codename Killswitch turns into like some, you know, building, growing this massive audience and by, by C-Dog and Codename Killswitch number five, we're like got this huge following, then yeah, yeah, I probably will do the covers, you know, traditionally just have that original art to sell, but right now it's just you know doing enough that we can you know do the next book and, and have success with that yeah yeah oh that's cool um what is the deal with i know pirate queen's done right that's yeah. totally done right yeah well we haven't done our final closeout we're still in demand oh, okay. um yeah but man, i mean is the book shipped or no not not shipped yet. No. Oh, okay. The, the book is done. Um, we got to send it to the printers. Um, Mandy is actually shipping out uh, her book, Super Dead, right now, mm -hmm. and basically she'll finish out shipping out Super Dead, 
we'll have uh, Pirate Queen to the printers, and then she'll start chipping out Pirate Queen. So she's staying plenty busy. But yeah, yeah I would probably by the end of February, which is what our goal was, um, we'll be having Pirate Queen at the printers and probably start shipping it out, hopefully close to the end of that. And we'll probably do one final closeout in demand before we shut it down, just because that always kind of, those last stragglers will, you know, want, want the book. There's still there's still fans out there that probably haven't jumped on, so we want to hit everybody up that we can find to oh, yeah. you know, close it out. So, but yeah, between, I mean, it's been, this has basically been my first year in Comicsgate you know, just kind of learning about it. Like I didn't know that much about it two years ago, really. I didn't know it existed. And, sure. you know, uh, basically seeing what Mark did with the uh, graveyard shift and obviously Ethan has gotten everybody's attention with cyber fraud. So, um, they just be kind of become part of the community and do these projects through Indiegogo this last year. And I have the success that we've had with, uh, sea dog and coding kill switch. And then uh, Pirate Queen was even a step up from that. And now the third book, Sea uh, Dog and Codename Killswitch 2, it's like each each one we've done is leveled up each time. So um, I, 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 I couldn't have asked for more. You know, it's been going, it's been going really well and, um, you know, it allows me to keep drawing. So I'm very thankful, appreciative, and happy about that. That's cool. What's the plan after this one? Any... Anything? Well, yeah, I, um, I, I've got my own. I, I've got a, a stock of my own. <laughs> I've got a, a stack of creator-owned books that I'd like to do. Um, I've got a book called The Blue Bombshell. That's kind of a takeoff of Power Girl. And uh, okay. Com Comics Gate fans seem to like the good girl art. And I mean, I kind of have a knack for that myself. Pirate Queen was pretty popular amongst them. So, um. I've got a blue bombshell book that I'm probably going to do late spring, early summer. That's just me. And it's very, the good girl art. It's a bit on the more risque side. So I think there'll be a certain fan base out there that will enjoy that. And then uh, me and Mandy are already planning out pirate queen two. I mean, oh, cool. pirate queen two will be this summer. I would imagine. Um, Mandy's got a ton of stuff up in the air that she's doing herself. So it's just me and her sitting down and hammering out uh, a, a timeline for Pirate Queen 2. And then uh, there will be Sea Dog and, and Codename Kill Switch 3. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've got my own stuff that I'll mix in. But yeah, Pirate Queen and, and Sea Dog and Codename Kill Switch are going to keep you busy for the foreseeable future. And then I'll just kind of mix some of my own, uh, uh, my own uh, uh, creations in there with it. So, ideally I would love to put out like four projects a year and, you know, just kind of keep those books moving. And I've got, I've got tons of stuff I want to draw. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure that there's a fan base out there for them and just making sure that everything gets out in a timely manner for everybody. So sure. that's the plan. Just kind of continue and hopefully kind of keep building on that success. That's cool. What, Dennis, you have any? I'm, I'm hogging. Well, I, I heard you mention something earlier that piqued my interest. Sure. But I, I wasn't going to cut in because your stuff's more important right now. But I heard you say greatest American hero. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. A, as in the TV show, as in the William Cat, there was a yeah. How have this, this, I never seen that? That was one of my favorite shows. I know. I was, I was late was 70s or early 80s. This, this is one of my fun, like, where I got to, like, be, you know, have that fun comic experience as a fan. Um, it was through Arcana and uh, I had been hooked up with Arcana and done some other books for them. And somehow they got the license to the greatest American hero. And this was probably 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. And so what happened was William Cat had talked uh, the writer and I'm not going to remember the writer of the show's name, but he did everything. He did the A-team. He was the guy where at the end of the show, he'd be typing on his typewriter. And it was like his little call sign. He'd yes. type on the typewriter oh, and yeah. pull the paper out. And it was Stephen Cannell, I think was his name. So he created the A-team in just a million shows. He was one of those mega TV writers from the 80s. So William Cat had talked uh, um, 
Canal into letting him do something with the rights to do a comic book because all these comic book stuff were getting turned into movies. So Canal had said, you can do a comic book based off the original script from the TV show. And then they had gotten hooked up with Arcana and then they hired me as the artist. So I had drawn the whole first issue of the book but what they really wanted was they wanted to make a big splash at San Diego Comic Convention because everything, you know, there, there was tons of Hollywood people out there. And I think William Cat really wanted something to happen at the show to get it developed into a movie, basically, and so that he could be attached to it somehow, and, which I completely understand. It's like that was a big, that would be a big opportunity for him. Yep. But it, it was, there was another dude attached to it somehow. And so that guy, like, these are one of these, like, I would always go to these conventions on my own dime. So because I was the artist, this guy was going to fly me out and set me up in a room for the convention. So I was like, yes, sign me up for that. I I am definitely down for that because San Diego is expensive as an artist. So when I got there, and I I mean, I knew this ahead of time. So William Cat was going to be there. Um, I'm going to... is it Culp? Uh, Robert was, Culp? Robert Culp was going to be yep. there and Connie Selica. Oh, so they, no way. Oh, it's yeah. a I was stoked. So they were, they actually had their own panel in one of the halls. And uh, I got to sit up there. I'm not sure why I was up there just as the artist. But I got to meet William Catt, Connie Selica, uh, Robert Culp. Um, got to sign at the table with all those guys. And it was just a suit. I, I mean, I remember being 10 years old laying on the floor and watching The Greatest American Hero and just being so excited yeah. that there was a superhero TV show on because I loved comics and superheroes. Oh, I was, absolutely. I was a huge fan of that show. Oh, there we go. Yep. Oh, nice. There's so, the cover. Question for it. So was this like a retelling of like the first season or was this continued on after the, sh- the original show? I think there were two seasons if memory serves. Yep. It was a retelling of the two part opening uh, pilot. They, it, they had, they had a pilot episode that was a two parter where, you know, he got the, he got the briefcase um, yep. the suit from the aliens and I think there was like skinheads or something that they were fighting that were going to try and take over the United States or something. And it, it was, it was an odd story, but yeah, we got to retell the, the, uh, they let us retell that original pilot as, as a mini series basically. So it ended up being a, they, they broke it down into a four issue mini series. So that, that's what we were able to end up doing, but it was, uh, for me, the coolest part was um, meeting all the stars of the show, but then also like spending time hanging out with a guy who was a star of a show from like 20 years ago. Yeah, and it was it's like some of those cliches you hear about of, of like Hollywood stars after the fact, and like William Cat was super nice, but you could also just tell like he really wanted something to happen that weekend with the show, and he was really like all about like making connections and stuff. And I, I remember the biggest thing with him was he hated the way that his hair looked on the TV show. He had that, <laughs> he had that big mop of curly blonde hair. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, as a fan of the show, I drew him exactly like, like he looked in the show. I wanted to look exactly like the show. I figured that was important. And uh, the first notes, I would like literally get direct emails from William Cat about Jeez. corrections that he wanted. And his main thing was he wanted his hair to look like modern stylized. He didn't want that big moppy mess of blonde hair. So I would get rigorous notes of like, you need to like fix the hair and you know, like <laughs> make it look modern. I'm like, but you want you want you that's not how you look. Nobody you know, it's like everybody remembers how you looked from the show. They're gonna wonder why I changed it. So that that was like the only thing that was slightly disappointing for me. And then, <laughs> The two other things was Robert Culp was as grumpy a curmudgeon as he was on the show in real oh, life. No, wait, really? Oh yeah, like like I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure. Mark Mark tells the story that they had to carry his bag, and I didn't even know about this part. Mark had to carry his bag, and it was just this heavy bag, and it was nothing but like what is it? The, the eleven by or not 
the little snap pictures oh, for yeah, him yeah. to sign at the nine by elevens or whatever you call yeah. them. And it was just a bag of photos of him to sign at the table. And like they had to like lug that from the hotel to the convention center for Robert Kelp. And then the last thing, and this is the best the best part of it, Connie Selica was as wonderful as she was beautiful. And she was still like she was older at this point, still yeah. gorgeous and just a ray of sunshine. She was so nice to everybody there and wonderful to talk to and like I can see why you were a star because you are a wonderful person. So <laughs> it was a very fun experience for like somebody who was a fan of the show. And uh, yeah. that's probably one of my best comic book convention uh, experiences that I ever had. So for, for uh, you know, you always go to these shows every year and you meet different people and you get to meet celebrities and stuff from shows. But that was my, that's probably the, the, the one story that like I always enjoy telling because it was, was so much fun, but it was also like a little peek behind the scenes of how these celebrities are in real life, and it, it just kind of yeah. was uh, it was a fun experience. Well, that's awesome. Well, I know I got something to look for when I go hunting at the conventions. <laughs> yeah. most conventions I'm like, how have I never seen it? Not only do I not own one, with all the conventions that I do and all the books that I handle, I have never seen those. So I, it's just I. That's why. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, there's some, there's some super rare greatest American hero comics out there. That's and, awesome. and like, I'll be at a convention and people still, and I, this was over 10 years ago, people will still bring up the greatest American hero comics. I'm like, yes, nice, fine. And I'm always more than happy to sign those. What, um, it looks like, there, was there only three of them? There might have only been three. I can't remember if it was like a, a four-issue or three-issue miniseries. I know we did one with the Obama cover yeah. on issue two. And that was another note that I got from William Catt is like, he's like, President Obama is taller than me. Like I must have drawn him taller in the cover. Yeah. So he wanted me to adjust it because he's like, no, President Obama is taller than me. That's, that's not accurate. And I'm like, oh, I put you about the same height just because, you know, visually, you know, like, no, no, I should be about, I should be about like this many inches shorter. I'm like, All right. Okay. I can fix it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it. You didn't <laughs> fix it. He's still talking. <laughs> <laughs> there may have been a deadline involved. This gentleman would like to know what is your favorite project? Pro favorite project that I've worked on? Yeah, I guess it says what oh, yeah. is your favorite project. Well, and I mean, <laughs> like, I love what I'm doing right now. I love to be able to do my own, create your own stuff. But like, I grew up a Superman, Batman, DC Comics fan. So, like one of the first gigs I got out of the gate was that Justice League uh, a story in the eighty page giant. Like it was it was a it was a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern story with the Martian Manhunter. But on the last page I got to draw the entire Justice League in the in the watch was it the watchtower? It was one of their headquarters in the late nineties. They kind of switched around a little bit. But I got to draw Superman in a DC published comic and like I'm a huge Superman fan, so That'll probably always be my, you know, favorite project. Getting to draw the whole Justice League and getting to draw Superman in in a, in a DC comic. So that that's probably always going to be my favorite one. That's, oh, that's cool. cool. Yeah. What was the? This is a just. I always like asking this. What was the first comic book you ever bought? Do you remember? I I've got this one box of like the stuff that I got when I was probably like eight to ten, and like just off the you know grocery spinner rack but it was i can't tell you exactly what the first one was but i have this box that they're just they're all beat to hell they're all just like i read them a million times and there's for some reason there's always a lot of thor in there <laughs> even though i was more of a spider-man and superman fan it's like why do i have so many copies of thor i like i like thor but he wasn't my favorite but um, uh, for the one that I that I can remember, I couldn't even say. I've got that that little one. One of my old favorites was I've got that mini comic of uh, Batman versus the Hulk drawn by Jose Luis Garcia. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'll yeah. say that's that's like one of my favorite like early comics because I I love Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. You don't have the treasury size of it. 
No, I've got the little mini one that's super thick. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. I've got, 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 got the horrible version of it instead of the treasury size one where it's really, yeah. like, just drool over the artwork. No, I've got the little mini one for some reason. And I, I don't even know how I got it. But, yeah, that's, like, one of my early favorites. Dennis likes Thor. He likes it so much, he bought, like, duplicates at this con over the weekend we went to. He's like, look, look at these five and ten dollar Thors I got. I know I already have them, but I need to own them again. No, see, the problem is my X-Men are done, so I'm I'm picking up things that I enjoy. And going back in old Surfer, old Thor, you know, I've got from second series of Surfer on, but I don't have all the first. Same thing with the old Thor, you know, anything in like the 160s to 200, you know, I'm missing a few. Well, I've got a, a database, so I made sure I updated the database. Apparently, there was a glitch when we left for the con, and I, I got my list, and I'm like, oh, I don't have that one or that one or that one or that one. Oh, that Defenders. Oh, look at that. <laughs> at home? Nope. Had them all. So I wound up, yeah. So Andy might need a few of them, but yeah, it kind of bummed me out. Yeah. I might be picking those up. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne here says Jack Kirby Surfer is the best. I can't argue with that. I am a big John Buscema Surfer fan. I was going to say John Buscema's Surfer yeah. wasn't too bad. Nope. I mean, I think John drew him more. So. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of the Kirby, um, like Captain America. I've got a bunch of those where I've got the one storyline. I was, I was always so proud of myself when I could, like, because I was bad about, like, picking up comics and getting, I would miss spots and, like, we didn't have a comic book uh, shop around here. So if I missed an issue, like I wasn't getting it for years later, but like I got the ones where um, there was those, it was all the Kirby stuff, but like the guys were like globby and like, Oh yeah. Cap would punch his arm into him and it would like keep his arm. I can't remember what storyline that was. Oh, and it was, uh, it wasn't Modoc. It was, um, see, this is where my memory is. Always it was the, it was, was the, the guy who had the screen face. Yeah, Artem Zola. 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 Yep, yep. Zola, yeah, yeah. I know what exactly you're talking about. Yep, because, at that castle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because my, my first comic was a Mike Zett Captain America. Oh. And they did a storyline with Zemo, Zemo, whatever. Yep. And Artem Zola and then those yellow globby dudes. Yes, yep. I remember that. And it, yeah. what, didn't he have like his buddy Artie? With him or something. Yeah, it was like Artie, a chubby yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Zach stuff. Man, that was gorgeous. <laughs> oh, that was like I said, the first I, I do remember it was issue 275 was the first comic book I ever bought, Captain America. And uh they just put out in October last year an epic collection trade paperback in almost Zach's entire run. Oh, nice. So I had to get, even though I still have all the issues, I had to get that just so I can have it as a nice fat trade. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I love that stuff so much. So very cool. Well, let's, uh, let's show everybody the campaign one more time before we blow out. Here it is. So we were talking to Clint, the artist, Clint Helensky, the artist of Sea Dog and codenamed Kill Switch. Mark was on earlier, the writer. He had to bug out. But uh, back it. It's uh, six days to go. And uh, give it some love. This is a good book. Dennis read issue one over the weekend. I read it when it came out. It's a fun book. If you like the stuff in the 90s, you'll definitely love this. So definitely give it a look and uh, share it out. Let me actually pop the link in the chat. That would be a good thing to do. And I believe it's in the description below on YouTube as well. So let me just do this real quick. Yep, and book one and two are available through this campaign. So if you missed out on book one the first time around, you can still get it. Uh, you can get the original book one cover by me, or you can get the line art variant by John Malin. And then we've got the Dan Frega variant for book two. Um, yep. If you want to kind of mix and match, you can do add-on while you're checking out to kind of pick and choose which covers you want. So want to make sure you have all the options available for you. And then there is also the Babe box, which is a collector's container that Mark showed earlier in the video. 
that contains all three uh, variant covers from book two and all two variant covers from book one. So you'll be getting all the books, um, you'll be getting all the prints and the uh, collector's cards and sketches from uh, me and Mark in the Babe box there. So it's kind of gives you uh, uh, more bang for your buck. You get everything with uh, all the campaigns in that in that collector's box. That's awesome. And we do, we'll go, we'll go out on one last question, which is uh, what's Clint's favorite Marvel superhero? Ooh, my favorite Marvel superhero. I, I mean, I have so many that I like, so it's always hard because you never think you're favorite, but I would say it's like close between Spider-Man and Wolverine. I'd probably lean just towards Spider-Man just because he's a more fun more fun, lighthearted character, and he has so many troubles with women, like we all do. That's uh, right. But Wolverine's always got that great backstory, and you know, if he drops into Mandrapore and for whatever, have they ever explained why he had a, like a, a, a alter ego as Patch? Why they would call him Patch? Is that Dennis? Any idea? I don't they, know. They, they've talked. Well, Patch. They they kind of went through. If you remember the Wolverine origins you know when they brought out james howlett you yeah. know instead of bringing that origin and the the issue the problem is i don't think it's ever really they explained it but when you look at it in entirety it kind of works but it kind of doesn't so you know i don't think there's ever been a really perfectly centered continuity on it but you probably, you probably don't want like a full answer. You just want like a little bit of an answer that leads to a bigger mystery so you can do stories off of that, you know. But like I just remember at one point he was called Patch and he had an eye patch. I'm like, yeah, the Wolverine, why does he have an eye patch? And it's like, just adds to some story somebody can tell down the road with it, I guess. Pretty yep. much. Well, might as well touch on my campaign quickly before we go and then uh, we'll we'll wrap it. There it is, First Man, graphic novel by me. It's uh, 64 pages, perfect bound. It's cosmic. It's cool. It is my, uh, it, it's about my love of Silver Age comic books and stories like that, like Captain Marvel, the Jim Starlin stuff. Basically, Luke Henry's this college kid right here that gets imbued with this essence, the last essence of the 10. And Monarch, the big bad guy right here, is on a hunt to gain all the all the essences, and he has nine of the ten. So he's come to Earth hunting down that last one. Luke changes into this guy, Apollo, when he merges. It's kind of like the Firestorm thing. So when Luke's in that form, he can hear Apollo in his head. Penumbra, the female, has her own agenda. She has a special tie to the essence that inhabits Luke Henry. Like I said, it's a 64-page graphic novel. It's square bound. It ends on Friday. I would love your support. Support indie creators. We'll play the video real quick here. First man, you know the drill. A college kid is a great power and likes it. Penumbra has other plans, and he delivers them to Monarch, a fun 64-page action-packed comic book, harkening back to the glory days of Marvel Comics, only on Indiegogo. Boom, short and sweet. So, please check out my campaign. Check out Sea Dog as well, and uh, codename Killswitch, and let's do it. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. I had fun. I liked, I love talking to other creators. So. Oh, yeah. It's a blast. Yeah, this was good. And Dennis is getting to meet cool people besides me. See, Dennis, I'm expanding your world. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> well, I try. Well, it's like I, I think we all miss comic book conventions, and this is kind of like a little internet comic book convention because you get to, like, yeah. visit with the creators and kind of talk comics, and, like, you know, everybody loves loves comics and like loves talking about comics. So kind of like a little, uh, little patch until we can all show up at comic book conventions again. That's yeah. Right. We just were at the, the one this weekend and you know, it was a nice small one, you know, but it's mainly dealers. So, you know, and dealers is cool because we're always looking for books, but you know, the other half are all the creators and, you know, creators and publishers and, 
you know, we're, we're, we don't get to see any of them right now and talk to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. So cool. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Remember to please like and uh, subscribe to the channel. Hit the little notification bell so you know when we go live. And I know Dennis and I will be back on Wednesday to talk about uh, what funny books we picked up from the store. I think we're reviewing Cyberpunk 2077, right? Yep. Yep. We do. So we're we're going to review that one. That that was an interesting story. So you, you're going to want to tune in for that. It was actually pretty good. Dennis got me to read something out of my usual. So. Yep. yep. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses. Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.